I missed you guys so much. And I told the student leaders that at your Sunday night meeting, five weeks is just too long for a break. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm about done breaking. I'm ready to do that with my college and family. I miss y'all. Um, again, those, those of you who don't know me, my name's Matt Drink. Um, my wife and I have Jackie. Uh, we're the directors of Calpha here at University of Memphis. This is our sixth uh, school year here at the U of M. Um, May is blown away by what God has done in terms of many transforming the lives of students, uh, students that have come through Calpha and see what God does with them. Um, and we, we love this campus, we love this city, uh, and we just want to see and what God wants to do on, on this campus. We want to see Jesus glorified on this campus. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we can get into the, the teaching for tonight. Father God, uh, we love you. Thank you for what you've just already done in our time here tonight, God. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you, to praise you, God. Um, here, here on a, a state school, university campus, God, we're able to lift by the name of Jesus. Um, God, we thank you for that. Thank you for that freedom. Um, God, pray, Lord, that you would have your way in the rest of our time here tonight. Holy Spirit, you would do what you please. God, would you prepare our hearts beforehand uh, to receive your truth? Uh, give us soft hearts, God, that would be good soil to receive your word. And God, would you shape us and make us to be the men and women of God that you want us to be. We would honor and glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, so this past week we celebrated the birthday of Martin Luther King Jr. Monday is Martin Luther King holiday, right? So you guys get a three-day weekend, like right off the bat. Start of the semester. I know you guys are exhausted from this first five days of school. Some of you guys went four days of school. Four-day weekend. Um, University is already giving you a break, giving you that extra day um, to rest. But but it, but but the reason we're having that that day rest is to to honor uh, Dr. King, right? And what and what he accomplished uh, to honor his legacy. And if we talk about a person that left a legacy, and Dr. King left a phenomenal legacy, United States, we're not there yet. <laughs> we're not perfect. Uh, got a long way to go. But man, thank God that we're not where we were. Right, and, and his his impact and the legacy of that of that impact is part of the reason why, man, uh, man, things things are things are we're not there, we're not perfect, I man. Things are better than they were um, because this man, and he was a Christian, right, a pastor, um, and man, he felt like man, his, his calling was to uh, man, to see uh, injustices in our society overturned, um, and he and he brought us he brought us a long way, and we celebrate that legacy, and we celebrate his birthday, we celebrate a holiday. Uh, in his honor, remember the legacy that, that he's left behind. Each and every single one of you, every single one of you is going to leave some kind of legacy behind. Right? They may not give you your own holiday, so students in this school, right? They may not put your name uh, in the history books, but they might. They might. You said they will. Um, every single one of you is going to leave some kind of legacy behind, though. Do you ever give much thought to what kind of legacy you're going to leave? What kind of legacy are you going to leave? What are they going to say about you years from now, decades from now? What are they going to say about you when you're gone? What sort of impact are you going to make on the world? We want our lives to have significance. Uh, but I mean, how can we be sure that we're investing our time and our resources in things that really matter? Right? Every one of us wants a meaningful life. Wants a significant life. We don't. We don't want to waste our life. We want our lives to have meaning. We want to leave a legacy, right? And some of y'all may want to change the world, right? Um, but I mean, how do we? How do we make sure we do that, right? Each and every one of us. We've got 24 hours each. 
We've got I mean, seven days a week. I mean, we, all, we all have the same amount of time. Our resources are limited. We don't have limitless money. We don't have limitless time. Uh, and how do we, the, the time, uh, the resources, the talents, the gift things that we do have, how can we invest them wisely uh, for our legacy, man, is one that really matters. It's one that's really significant. And we don't look back in uh, decades from now and say, man, what did I do with my life? And, and, and have that kind of remorse, that regret, feeling like we wasted our lives. I'm going to tell you this. If we build our lives around pursuing our own success, then our legacy is going to be quite limited. Right? If I make my whole life about making sure that I'm famous, making a big name for myself, making sure that uh, everybody knows who I am, um, that, that, that's a wasted life in my opinion. That's a wasted life. Uh, because 100 years from now, is anybody going to remember who I am? No. No. Let me put it this way. Um, does anybody know, uh, astronauts-wise, how many human beings have walked on the moon? Anybody know just ballpark? Seven. I think it's no. <laughs> North of seven, south of seven million. Um, you know, twenty. Okay, there, there, there's been a lot. Uh, can, can anybody name five? Name five human beings that have walked on the surface of the moon. Okay, name at least one more. The, the point being, the point being, that's a phenomenal accomplishment, walking on the surface of not the earth, right? There's people that have done this. There's people that have put boots on the ground of the moon. We don't remember their names, right? Uh, and that was just, that was just, that was even 100 years ago. That was just uh, a few decades ago. Uh, there are there are those historical figures that, that we remember for, for a long time. Um, that, that for the most part, a lot of us, um, I mean, 100 years from now, my great-great-great-grandkids may not even know my name, right? If I make my whole life about making myself famous, that's a waste of time. That's a waste of time. If I make my whole life about my own success, well, that's a waste of life. A life pursuing fame and fortune is a waste because in view of eternity, and those things don't have lasting significance. However, and that doesn't mean that everything we do in life is meaningless, right? Just because my great-great-grandkids will forgive me, that doesn't mean my life's meaningless. Right? Uh, and our, our lives still have value. What we do still matters. This is what the Bible says. The Bible tells us this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. That we are His and God's, or God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Right? God created you with a specific purpose. Uh, your life has meaning and significance. Uh, God wants to reveal to you what that is, the reason He created you, the purpose He has for your life. Uh, you were created not just to be a lump on the log, not just to sit there, not just to exist for 60, 70 years, and then, and then whatever. I mean, God created you to do good works, right? In Christ Jesus, to do good works. God's got good, meaningful, significant work for you to do. This means that when we're made new in Christ, He frees us from that, that bondage of, man, I've got I've to be rich and famous to be significant, right? He frees us from that bondage of, I've got to be successful in the world's eyes. He frees us to live a life of true meaning and true significance and really leave a legacy that matters. Uh, he's the one that gives our lives real purpose, uh, calling us uh, to make much of Jesus, make a big deal about Jesus, call us to the work that he's doing in the world. Uh, instead of trying to make ourselves famous, Right? Trying to make the name of Jesus well-known. Uh, adding our voice to the chorus of millions and millions and millions of voices that have gone before us to live by the name of Jesus, to point people towards Jesus. 
He alone is worthy of the world's attention, of the world's adoration. So instead of building my own empire, uh, I've got the opportunity to be about advancing the eternal kingdom of God. Amen? Um, Jesus was clear that his mission on the earth, let me ask you this way, what was Jesus' mission on the earth? What was the point of Jesus coming to the earth? What do you guys think? To say, yeah, to say. Um, Jesus says in Luke 19.10 that his purpose in coming was to seek and to save the lost. Right? The reason for Jesus coming, the reason for God sending his son to take on flesh, to become a human being, Jesus had a singular purpose. It was to seek and to save the lost. Right? So to restore relationship with all the human beings that, that were separated from God because of their sin. And mankind was far from God. Jesus was sent to save us, to reconcile us to God. Um, you know, he explained, uh, Jesus explained that God loves people and sent his son in the world, not to condemn them, but to save them, to restore that relationship that had been broken by sin. When Jesus died on the, on the cross, uh, he took on himself the punishment that I deserve for everything I've ever done wrong. Right? Um, that, that, man, I've, I've lied and and been selfish and prideful and, and done things that hurt myself, hurt other people, what the Bible calls sin. Every one of us uh, has done these things, and these things estrange us from God, separate us from God, but God loved us too much to leave us that way. Uh, he sent Jesus to, to die the death I deserve to die, right? to take my punishment. So instead, God could extend his grace and mercy and forgiveness. Um, you know, it, it's God's heart. Uh, for all, as 1 Timothy 2 4 says, God's heart for all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God's heart from the very beginning was for every person to find purpose in their relationship with Him. That's the message of the gospel. If you remember talking about the gospel, the good news, that's the good news. Uh, that God loves you. He sent His Son Jesus to die for you so your sins can be forgiven, so you can be made right with God. The good news doesn't stop there. Did Jesus say that? No. No. Uh, Three days later, and after Jesus was publicly executed and buried, three days later, he rose from the dead and appeared to hundreds and hundreds of eyewitnesses who said, well, you think it's the same Jesus they crucified on Friday, right? Who, who's alive, who's walking around, who's ministering. Um, and he truly must be the Son of God. Like, he claimed to be the Son of God, but then when he was crucified, I wasn't so sure. But now here he is, raised from the dead. Um, thousands of people started following Jesus. Christianity spread like wildfire. Uh, they forgot Jerusalem and forgot the ancient world because um, Jesus rose from the dead and he conquered death. So when he promises eternal life to you, when he says whoever puts their trust in me will have eternal life, right? you can take that to the bank because Jesus literally rose from the dead. That's the message of the gospel. That's the message uh, of what God has done in the world. God desires for people to be reconciled to him through Christ. But what is God's method for spreading that message? Right? That's the message. Right? That's the message that first came to the world 2,000 years ago with Jesus. But what is Jesus' method? What's God's method uh, for spreading that message, for getting it out there on a worldwide scale? And that's where we're going to focus in tonight. Uh, his plan is brilliantly simple. And he gives it to us in Matthew 28. Which those of you guys who grew up in church may be known as the Great Commission. Right? The Great Commission. Uh, we're going to read it here. It's Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. Um, this is the last thing Jesus speaks to his disciples right before he ascends to heaven. Right, right before he ascends to heaven, his final final words, right? Are someone's final words important? Um, and Jesus' final words are incredibly important. Matthew 28, verse 19. These are the words of Jesus. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go 
and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me, right? Uh, Jesus and God are one. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. He's the image of the invisible God. All the authority and power of God and rest right there in Jesus. He said, all authority has been given to me. Nothing's too hard for me. Nothing's too difficult for me. Um, And you can put your trust in me. And there's work for you to do, right? There's meaningful work for you to do, right? We said that you were created to do good works. And here's the good work that God, God, God created you to do. He says, I want you to go into all the world and make disciples. Make disciples. Teach people to obey everything that I've taught you. Teach people how to follow Jesus. And teach people how to live in a way that honors the Lord. Teach people to put their trust in me so they can have their sins forgiven. So they can be made right with God. Um, he says, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. Right? I'm going to be with you for all of this. God's plan for reaching the world was for his followers to faithfully make disciples. This command is not just for missionaries. It's not just for pastors, right? It's not the great commission that God gave to pastors, and everyone else can just pick that, you know? No, this is a great commission for all believers, all Christians, every single one of us. Um, every single one of us that would call ourselves a follower of Christ. The command is mandatory. The command is urgent, and it comes straight from the heart of God. The heartbeat of God is that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. This command comes straight from God's heart. Every single one of us make disciples. It's in making disciples that our lives have a purpose greater than ourselves. Right? It's investing in other people that causes our, our lives to, to be more than just a life, but really a legacy. Right? The, the, the investments we make in others and making disciples and teaching people to follow Jesus, that's how we leave a legacy uh, greater than ourselves and make that lasting impact on the world. So my challenge uh, to you as we're going to this new school year, as you're praying in 2019, some of you guys have resolutions, right? Some of you guys have personal goals, personal challenges. Uh, here's my challenge for you, right? My challenge for you this school year to, to, to put a focus on making disciples. To look around and look at your classmates, look at your coworkers, roommates, the people in your friend circle, the people around you that God's put in your life. I don't believe a single one of them are there on accident, right? God has placed each and every one of you strategically where he wants you uh, to make disciples, right? There, there's, there's people in your life that are far from God that you can be a light to them, you can share Christ with them, uh, and, and that's my challenge you going to this new school year. Ask the Lord, say, God, uh, man, who can I share Christ with? Who can, who can you use me to disciple? Uh, and again, this is more than just making converts. This is more than just getting someone to pray a prayer. Like, hey, pray, pray the sinner's prayer with me. All right, good. I'm, I'm done, right? I'm out. Do my time card. I'm out. Um, it's more than just uh, getting them to pray with you. It's more than just getting them to come to church with you one time. Uh, making disciples requires investing yourself in others and helping them to grow spiritually into a mature follower of Christ. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes work. It takes sacrifice. Right? Did it take sacrifice for Martin Luther King? Yeah. Did it take sacrifice for Jesus? Yeah, it's going to take sacrifice for us too. Um, and and to, to, to see someone grow into a mature follower of Christ is going to take sacrifice, it's going to take investment. Um, one of the reasons that many of us are not actively making disciples, and I know, man, if, you, if you look at the church, if you look at a body of Christians, uh, not everyone's actively making disciples. One of the reasons that is, is a lot of us don't even know where to start. Like, 
I would, I, would, I would wager that that's not the first time most of you have heard that verse, right? But the reason most people don't do that is, like, man, I don't even know where to start. Like, I know I'm supposed to make disciples. I know I'm supposed to share my faith with people. But honestly, I don't even know where to start doing that. Um, and sadly, many of us have never had the experience of being intentionally discipled ourselves. And even those of us that maybe grew up in the church, there's no one that's actually taking the time to disciple us and to help us to grow in the Lord like what we see Jesus do with his own disciples. Um, I truly believe every single person needs both. Every single person needs to both to be discipled and then to make disciples. Be discipled and make disciples. And really, those, those are the only two main points for tonight. The first one, uh, number one, be disciples. Be disciples. Every, every single person needs this. Uh, I just want to ask you, have you ever had someone intentionally invest in you? Someone intentionally invest in your personal spiritual growth. Someone to come alongside you uh, and help make sure you're growing in the Lord. Have you ever had that in your life? We understand in the value of having a mentor or an apprenticeship uh, for our professional growth, right? To help us reach professional goals. We understand it's good to have a a mentor, right, in our career. Good to have an apprenticeship. Someone can come under and learn those kind of things. We understand the value of seeing a counselor, you know, for our mental health, our emotional well-being. Um, what about the most important part of us at all? What about our soul? What about our soul? What about our spiritual health? Who's investing in your spiritual growth and helping you become the person that God's called you to be? Who's meeting with you and coming alongside you to help you in your struggles to help you find the purpose that God created you for, help you realize man, man, the, uh, what God's will is for your life, to come in and, and help you to grow in prayer, to grow in your understanding of God's word, to grow as a mature believer. Um, we all need that. Every single one of us needs that. Every single one of us needs that spiritual mentor in our lives to invest in us, to challenge us and pray with us, help us learn the Bible, someone we can bring our tough questions to, right? Every single one of us needs that. <laughs> um, I need that, right? I'm 36 years old. I'm a, I'm a whole pastor myself, but I still need I still need someone that's investing in me, right? You don't ever you don't ever arrive once I get to heaven. Uh, but if you're on a sermon, you need someone investing in you, man. I've got I've got pastors older than me that I meet with when when I've got a tough question, when I need it, when I need advice, when I just need man, someone to, to join with me in accountability or in prayer. Um, man, I've got I've got older older men that that, that invest in me. Um, every, every single one of us you know, needs, needs someone that's going to invest in us spiritually, help us to grow, needs to be disciple, help us to grow in the Lord. And if you don't have that, man, let me encourage you, allow the Lord to place that kind of person in your life, to place that kind of relationship in your life. I know Jackie and I would love, love to meet with each and every one of you. I would love to take you out for coffee, take you out for lunch, and go grab, go grab a table in the Union, a table in the Tiger Den, a table over there in the bookstore, uh, and just sit down and hear your story. And hear where you're at in your relationship with God and, and see how we can help you to grow. Um, maybe you never had someone do that before you, right? That sounds, that sounds kind of strange. I don't, don't really know about that. But let me tell you, man, it's going to enrich your life. It's going to bless your life. That's someone that you can share with your struggles and, and talk through stuff with. And someone that can point to you and where, where in Scripture you can go to to find the encouragement for that situation. Someone that's going to pray with you. Pray with you in the moment and intercede and pray with you throughout the week uh, and, and, and do battle spiritually for you. Right? Each and every one of us needs that. Um, if you don't have that, I'd love to be that. Jackie would love to be that. And there's upperclassmen 
uh, and student leaders in this room, um, and they would love to come alongside you in that way. Be that big brother, big sister in the faith, um, and help encourage you in that way. Uh, don't have that. I encourage you, allow the Lord to place that kind of person in your life. Um, it's something every single one of us needs, including me. In addition to that uh, one-on-one kind of mentorship, um, discipleship also develops best in community. Um, and that's exactly what we see Jesus do with his disciples, right? We do see Jesus performing one-on-one ministry um, at a couple different places uh, in the Gospels, but we also see him invest a ton of his time with a small group, right? Jesus called these 12 men to come and follow him, and a huge majority of his time he's spending with these guys, investing in these guys, the small community they have, they're growing uh, in the Lord together. Um, and this is where, again, I know I stressed it during the announcements, I really want to emphasize the importance of life groups. Um, and, and if you're not plugged into to, to some small group kind of Bible study, a small group, a life group, I uh, really encourage you to find one. Um, if, if you're a life group leader, you're fine. Could you raise your hand real quick for me? Um, cool. So if, you can put that down. If pizza, if, when we're eating snacking later, and find them and ask them when their group meets and, and how they can be a part of it. Um, and they'll let you know how much you need to pay, all those kind of things. No, I'm kidding. It's free. Um, but man, man, when you when you meet with a group and you, you've got you've got a group of guys, a group of girls, you can come and share. Hey, here's what's going on in my life this week, and they can encourage you, they can build you up, they can affirm you, uh, they can pray with you. You guys can study the Word together and talk about how does this apply to my real life together. And that's so enriching, man. That's so helpful. And that's what we see Jesus do with His own disciples. Right? It's not just all one-on-one ministry, and it's not just all big crowds of 5,000. Uh, and the good stuff happens in those small groups. And I really encourage you guys to connect with one of, one of our life groups. Um, again, many of us don't leave any kind of meaningful legacy behind uh, because we don't invest in others. Um, and one of the reasons we don't invest in others is we've never been invested in ourselves. Right? Like, I've never been discipled, so why should I disciple? You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and, and just because maybe the people before you didn't do it well, man. That, that doesn't mean it doesn't apply to you, right? That doesn't mean, well, the Great Commission doesn't apply to me because no one, no one took the time with me. Now pray, God, would you send me someone like that? Would you put someone in my life like that, that older brother, that older sister in the faith can invest in me, encourage me, help me to grow? I mean, God, would you also give me people that I can disciple as well? Um, so change that in 2019. Be disciple. Be disciple. That's number one. Number two, make disciples. Make disciples. Uh, another reason that many of us are not actively sharing our faith, actively making disciples, like I said, we don't really know where to start. Uh, thankfully, Jesus didn't just give us that command to make disciples. He also modeled it for us with his own life. And you want to learn how to make disciples, crack open your Bible to the New Testament. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where Jesus gives you a master class in how to disciple people, right? How to invest in people, how to transform people's lives. Uh, Jesus, again, didn't just give us the command. He modeled it for us. Uh, we can learn tons about the process of making disciples by examining uh, the methods that Jesus used with his own disciples. So Jesus called those first disciples, called them by name, and said, come follow me. Come follow me. Uh, I would imagine they didn't have any idea what they were getting into. Uh, and, 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 but they came and they followed this guy. They learned under him. Um, you know, a person becomes a disciple of Jesus when they leave their old life behind and choose to follow Christ. He assembled this group of 12 ordinary men uh, that probably didn't seem much at the beginning, right? These guys, they were fishermen, tax collectors, right? like everyday, everyday kind of guys. These guys weren't celebrities, right? They weren't, they weren't super well-known. But Jesus took this group of 12 guys, and at the end of man, man, three years with Jesus, these guys became world changers, 
right? These guys turn the world upside down. Um, observing the methods that Jesus used with his first disciples uh, are going to help us to be strategic in making disciples as well. So there's three subpoints here under make disciples. We're going to look, this is what Jesus did, and then, and then here's how we can do it too. The first one is, Jesus was relational. Jesus was relational. Uh, during his years of public ministry, the majority of his time was spent sharing his life with others. The majority of his time was spent sharing his life with these 12 men. He ate with them. Uh, he talked with them. He ministered with them. Uh, and there were certainly times for solitude, times that he needed to get alone with the Lord. We all need that. Right? We all need time to get alone with God, get alone and pray, get alone and study the Word. Uh, Jesus did that too. Um, but the Gospels clearly show that Jesus prioritized spending time with his disciples. He truly loved these people. He loved them. And he invested in his relationships with them. If we want to make disciples for Jesus, we've got to prioritize relationships as well. We've got to be relational. Right? If, 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 if I'm not a people person, say, God, I don't want really to do too well with people, then I, I would encourage you to pray, God, would you change that about me? Because discipleship's relational. Right? If we're going to be investing in, in other people's lives, it means we've got to be a good friend of him. We've got to love them. We need God's help to love them well. Um, if Jesus prioritized relationships. We need to prioritize relationships as well. In the discipleship process, our relationships need to move from just like a superficial surface level uh, relationships to greater levels of depth and transparency. And we do this by being open and honest. I mean, here's what God's doing in my life. Uh, here's what God's teaching me right now. Here's where I'm struggling and I need help, right? Just being real, being honest with people. People are going to be surprised by that kind of honesty because man, we don't do that in today's culture, right? And we don't just share, well, like, here's the sins I'm struggling with. Here's the temptations that have been a problem for me. Hey, here's what I've been studying in the Bible, right? If you're sitting in, in biology you know, tomorrow or, or Tuesday, whenever you have class next, and, you, and, you're, and your lab partner moves over and goes, man, can I share what I learned in the Bible this morning? You'd be like, what? What? Where am I? Right? Because we don't, we don't just do that. But if you started to do that, right, that's going to take your relationship from just a surface level. We've got enough surface level relationships, don't we? We've got enough acquaintances, right? But then if you start sharing what God's really doing in your life, uh, that's going to take it to a place of, of death where, where you guys can have a close connection and you can really start uh, investing in their lives and helping them to grow in the Lord. The person that you're investing in, they're not a product, Right? They're a human being that, that God created, that Jesus loves. They're a younger brother, younger sister in Christ. The right to seek into someone's life, to invest in someone's life, is something that has to be earned. I can't just walk up to anybody and be like, all right, Mike, I'm going to disciple you now, right? No, I've got to earn that. I've got to earn that. I've got to show him love. I've got to show him that I care about him. He's not just a project for me. And he's a human being that God loves, so I love. Right? He matters. He has value. He has worth. I want to know his story. I want to know what's going on in his life. If there's a way I can serve him, if he's got needs I can meet, uh, if there's ways I can encourage him, pray for him. You guys hear what I'm saying? Um, and to, to really love him and befriend him. And he's not a project. He's a person. Uh, dealing with sensitive issues in a person's life and bringing him under the lordship of Christ requires trust. And that trust is only going to come from real friendship. People can smell fake 10 miles away, right? right? If someone's being fake, you know. Say it again. People know if you're fake. People can smell fake. Man, we want authentic. We want real. We, we, we've had enough fake, and we can tell fake. Uh, and man, when you, you're sharing Christ with people on campus, they're going to smell fake, right? Uh, you got to want to really be their friend, really love them, really meet them where they're at. Um, it requires trust. 
And this is exactly what Jesus did with his own disciples. He made the clear distinction. Uh, the verse isn't up there, but it's John 15, 15. He says, y'all aren't my servants. You're my friends. You're my friends, and I love you. And I love you, and I love you. Now, he told them so many times that he brought them. Way more times than I'd probably tell my God friends that I love them. Um, but, but man, we, man, we need to let people in our lives know that we care about them. They matter to us, right? He said, y'all aren't just my followers. aren't just my servants. You're my friends. You're my friend. Jesus was relational. The next one, number two, Jesus was intentional. Intentional. He called specific individuals to follow him. He wasn't just like, hey, whoever wants to, I'm going to be over here teaching a sermon. If you want to come with me, I'm just drop your hand. It doesn't, whoever. No, he, he called him by name. Peter, come follow me. Matthew, stop what you're doing. Come follow me. He was specific with who, who he chose. He used specific situations as teachable moments to impart his wisdom. Nothing was left to chance. Nothing was an accident. Every word, every action was with purpose. He intended for those 12 ordinary men to become mighty ambassadors for the kingdom of God. Discipleship is not something that just happens. No one has ever been discipled on accident, right? No Christian has ever accidentally discipled another person. Like, whoa, how'd that happen? I made a whole disciple. It doesn't happen on accident, right? Got to be intentional about it. Got to be intentional. Uh, Jesus was intentional. We've got to be intentional as well. It requires us being aware of those around us, sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. We've got friends, neighbors, classmates, coworkers. Uh, we're still in desperate need of the hope that we've already found in Jesus. They desperately need it. But our conversations with those people are not just going to turn to spiritual topics on their own, right? Just having conversations with people, if you're not intentional about steering it towards spiritual things, it's not going to just happen. If y'all are just talking, it's you're going to talk about school, sports, and then what we're going to eat, and we're talk about Fortnite, and we're going to talk about 2K, but probably not going to talk about the Bible unless you bring it up, right? Um, and we've got to be intentional about steering those conversations to spiritual things. As followers of Christ, we need to be purposeful with our words and take advantage of opportunities to share Christ with people God's place in our lives. And as they respond in faith to Jesus, these new believers are going to need guidance. They're going to need encouragement to grow in maturity. Uh, and initiating these conversations, building relationships um, with these new believers is our responsibility as Christians. And we, we need to look at the people around us that need Jesus. And then we've got to take initiative and be intentional and initiate those conversations. To, to, to share with people the hope you found in Jesus. You don't know where to start, Zach. Matt, I don't even know how to begin that conversation. That's okay. Talk about what Jesus has done for you. Say, hey, can I share my story? Man, even better. Ask their story first. Let me tell me about your life. You know, we got some time. Tell, tell me what it's like growing up for you. Tell me about your life. And they'll share. And you'll listen. And you'll be a good friend. And then what's natural and normal in human conversations, like, man, can I tell you my story? And you just listen to them for who knows how long. They're going to say, yeah, tell me your story now. They say, man, I was a hot mess. My life was a wreck before I met Jesus. Right? And here, let me tell you what God's done. Maybe, ah, you're one of those crazy. No, just this serious. Serious. Like, and here's where I was before. This is what my family was like. This is what my life was like. And this is what my priorities were like. And I wasn't happy. I was lonely. I was depressed. Um, but man, man. Jesus came into my life and I started praying. I started studying the Bible. I got involved in a ministry. Uh, I'm going to tell you, man, a world of difference for me. And, and it, it doesn't matter man, where they're at in, in the spectrum of, of, of knowing God. And when you share your story, that's authentic. That's real. I mean, just share the difference God's made in your life. 
And, and allow Holy Spirit to make that appealing to them, right? And, and they're going to want to know more about this Jesus that makes such a big difference in their life. They're going to want to know why you have joy when everyone else around you is completely depressed. They're, they're going to know why you have peace in a world where there's so much trauma. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? Um, initiating these conversations is our responsibility. Making disciples does not occur by accident. We've got to be deliberate. Deliberate in what we say, deliberate in what we do. And God is faithful in those moments when we're not sure about what to say to give us the words that we need. And that was the promise of Jesus. Jesus said, don't worry beforehand what you're going to say. There's going to be times we're going to be in conversations. You're going to have no idea uh, what to say in defense of God. You're going to be asked questions. Ah, Jesus said, do this for me. Don't worry beforehand what you're going to say, but trust that the Holy Spirit is going to give you the words you need just at the right moment. The perfect words that you need that no one can contradict. I've seen God do this for me again and again and again. Probably some of you in this room could raise your hands and say, yeah, there's been a moment uh, where I was in a conversation and all of a sudden I had the right thing to say and I don't know where it came from. It wasn't me, right? But, but all glory to God. Um, and then trust God that, that when you step out of faith and initiate those conversations, He's going to help you know the right thing to say in that moment. Um, Jesus was intentional. We need to be intentional as well, making the most of every opportunity to invest in those around us. And last one, Jesus was relational. Jesus was intentional. Last one, Jesus was transgenerational. That's a long word, right? I had to change the font size so that word fit on the PowerPoint. Transgenerational, that's a long word. What does that mean? The end goal of the discipleship process. How do you know when you're done discipling somebody? How do you know when you're done? That's kind of an open-ended project, right? How do you know when you're done discipling somebody? When they're able to turn around and disciple somebody else. When you've helped them to grow to that place of spiritual maturity where they're looking for the people in their life, they can share Christ with them, they can disciple. The end goal is multiplication, right? Is you having spiritual grandkids, right? You led someone to Christ, and now they're leading other people to Christ. Let me tell you guys, there is no greater thrill in the world than seeing someone that you invested in and turn around and, and share Christ with other people. There's not a greater thrill. Um, the end goal of the discipleship process is to bring that person to a place where they can disciple others. And so, so Jesus made sure that his methods and his teaching style was transgenerational. Not just for this generation, but for the generation that will follow. And the next one, the next one. Um, Jesus made sure that his, uh, his teaching style was with simple illustrations, simple parables, simple stories. And then he'd go and explain with his disciples the deeper meaning of those parables. Making sure they understood well enough to teach others. Jesus knew there's going to come a day I'm going to ascend to heaven and it's going to be on y'all, right? So I need to make sure you understand this well enough that then you can turn around and teach others. Jesus gave his disciples opportunities to minister alongside him. As you're reading the Gospels, there's times where they can step in and minister alongside Jesus. Uh, he also sends them out two by two to go minister on their own and kind of report back, uh, giving them those ministry opportunities. Uh, he taught them not only how to be disciples, but he taught them how to make disciples. The Great Commission was given to men who had been prepared by Jesus to continue his work on the earth. And so keeping all that in mind, we've got to be transgenerational in our approach as well. And what that means is when you're teaching someone about Jesus, make sure that you're uh, not only teaching them what's going to help them mature in Christ, but equipping them with the tools that then they can go share with somebody else. Right? Making sure they understand it enough that then they can, you know, go in the next period, go share with their classmate, right? They can share it with their family, their friends. Um, equipping them so they can teach other people. This is illustrated beautifully in Paul's words to his own disciple Timothy. This is the last verse we're going to look at tonight. Second uh, Timothy, chapter two, verse three. Two Timothy two two. 
This is Paul. Paul's been investing uh, in this guy Timothy. He's his younger brother in the faith. Um, you, know, the, you know, the whole letter, you know, the first and second Timothy, he, he's writing to Timothy's disciple. He writes in this, because um, again, Timothy's also called to the ministry. He's called to be a preacher, a pastor, a missionary. He says, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will be qualified to teach others. One sentence it illustrates in that transgenerational method of discipleship. Like, the things you heard me say when I was teaching you, teaching others, I want you to find reliable, faithful people that you can teach that to who can then teach others, right? Um, so, and we can't overcomplicate things where people barely even understand us and then expect them to turn around and teach someone else, right? We've got to make sure they know us. So we've got to keep it, keep it simple, keep it focused. Um, and Timothy was able to instill in others the very things Paul had instilled in him because Paul made sure that his methods were transgenerational. He was encouraged to make his investment in people who were faithful, who were reliable, who could teach others. Uh, the methods we use should not be overly complex, but simple enough to be easily repeated, easily taught to someone else. Make sure that the person we're discipling knows not just how to pray, but how to teach someone to pray. Right? You guys see the difference? Like teaching someone not just how to read the Bible, even though that's good, we need to be taught how to read the Bible, and also teach them how to teach somebody how to read the Bible. Right? Um, and, and challenge them, challenge them with that. Make sure that they understand. Um, teach them not only how to study the Bible for themselves, but equip them to teach others. And so, Kyle, and this is this is where this is where I promote uh, some, especially having Kyle. Um, again, I know this is a lot. Like this is intimidating. This is one of those things. that's like, okay, okay, I'm tracking with you, Matt. I do not ever see myself doing it. To be honest, um, Kyle offers a special class called D class, discipleship class. Um, and it's going to start in February. It'll, be, it'll run for six weeks on Monday nights. Uh, I believe February 11th. Next week I'll let you know for sure. Um, class is totally free. It's going to be you know, every Monday night for six weeks starting in February. Uh, discipleship class is going to equip you with these kind of simple things like I'm talking about. Teaching you how to take that first step to share your faith with somebody. Teaching you how to teach someone how to grow in Christ. How to lead a Bible study. How to lead a small group. How to, how to be a leader in that way. Um, it's open to everybody. And if you've not taken... Calvus D class, discipleship class. I would love to have each and every one of you in there uh, learning uh, and to share your faith that way, learn to be used uh, by God that way. Again, a lot more details about that starting next week, probably. Um, but if you want to do D class, if you're in this room and you already did D class like last year or the year before, this year in, some of you have and some of you haven't, it's cool. Um, this will be super valuable. You can ask somebody over pizza and say, hey, he says super valuable, is it? And then they'll tell you the truth. Um, so in this way, in this method of, of discipleship, being intentional, being relational, being transgenerational, the call of the Great Commission is answered and accomplished one generation after another. The discipleship process is all about reproduction, passing from one generation to the next, spreading across the world. Um, and that's Jesus' plan from the beginning. So my Jack and I, and we've served um, in university ministry for about 14 years, right? Working with Kyle, we first got involved with Kyle as students uh, at the University of Tennessee, and then went on staff with Kyle. And so for the last 14 years, man, we've been uh, investing in students, discipling students, and I absolutely love it. Uh, I believe with all my heart that you guys, right, are our future world changers. Right? We talked about leading the legacy, we talked about changing the world, man. I believe it's it in this room, right? The university students, man, are, are the ones that are going to shape. Uh, the culture shape our nation, shape our world in the decades to come. Right? But here on this campus, you've got future doctors, 
future lawyers, future politicians, maybe a future Supreme Court justice, maybe a future president studying right here on the campus, right? Uh, and, and right now they're just, what, 18, 19, 20-year-old kid trying to figure out what life's all about. Man, to reach them with the gospel now, to see them fall in love with Jesus now, to see God shape their character now, before God puts them in that position of power and influence, how strategic is that for the kingdom, right? Um, and so we love ministering to university students. We really believe this University of Memphis is one of the most strategic mission fields on the planet. Um, love investing in students and, and really believe that you guys can change the world. Um, let me share one last story, and then, and then we'll wrap up. Um, a couple of you guys in this room remember one of our Kyle Fub alumni named Larry. Uh, I know Brandon does. Kira may remember Larry. I know Chris remembers Larry. Uh, a couple other older students. Jay probably remembers Larry. Um, Larry Larry's alumni. He graduated. Uh, I had lunch with him last month. Um, we, we ate at my favorite barbecue restaurant, which is one of the barbecue. Um, and, uh, and he's just sharing about what he's doing now. I mean, he's graduated, he's married, uh, he's, he's working in, in, in social work. Uh, and, and so I'm hearing about his, his life, his family. I mean, he's catching up on, on our family, our kids and stuff. And uh, then he starts telling me about how uh, he, he met a guy um, at his job. And, and Larry and his wife have been discipling this guy, uh, this, his coworker and his wife. Um, they've been meeting with them and helping them to grow in the Lord. And Larry's saying, man, you know, when I want to come to college and you talk about making disciples, like, like I, I'm nodding my head, but I thought, that'd never be me, right? I'd never be the one to do that. And Larry, like, helped lead a Bible study. He helped lead a life group. Like, he did minister to students and stuff, but he didn't think, like, that's something that would carry with them onto the marketplace. You know what I'm saying? But he's like, man, the stuff that I learned in Kyle, like, I'm using that at my work to share Christ with my coworkers, right? Like, my wife and I are using those skills to disciple this other couple and teach them how to grow in the Lord and invite them to church and seeing them grow in Jesus. Um, I was absolutely thrilled, of course, to do that. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, the, the, the stuff that, that, that you're going to learn uh, here, here in college, you're going to use the rest of your life. Um, not, not just, like, the stuff you learn professionally, but also, man, those discipleship skills, those ministry skills. Uh, and I just want to make sure, man, you're well-equipped uh, and to reach the people around you, to reach the people God places in your life. Also invited Larry. He's going to come and preach at Calpa service probably, like, late March sometime um, because he, he's awesome. Now, look, those of you all that haven't met him, I look forward to you getting a chance to meet him. Um, and flipping back to, to uh, the last slide, I guess, there, the, flipping back to the Great Commission, and Jesus' promise, I want you to remember, he, he asked us to do this. He asked us to, to make disciples. I mean, first, be disciples, but then also make disciples. But then the promise, he says, is, I'm not calling you to do it alone. Like, in no step of the process are we alone. Jesus says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you for every step of the way. I'm going to be with you always to the very end of the age. You don't do it alone. When you put your trust in Jesus to be your Savior, an absolute miracle happens. Not only are your sins forgiven, uh, not only do you have eternal life in heaven when this life is over, God comes and lives in you and through you by His Holy Spirit. Right? He uh, says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to dwell uh, inside you. I'm going to be there forever. Every step of the way by my Holy Spirit. You're not going to do it alone. So, so if the, the idea of sharing your faith with someone seems intimidating, it's totally normal and healthy that it would. Remember that you don't go alone. Jesus is with you. So I'm going to be with you. I'll be right there with you. Arm around you. So we got this. We got this. Me plus you, we're a majority, right? Right? So we got this. Uh, Jesus promises to be with us. We don't go alone. Um, let me pray for you guys. Uh, the only way we're going to leave a legacy that really matters, that really endures beyond just our own, our own lives, our own 70, 80 years on this earth, uh, 
is if we join in with what God's doing and, and, and join in with the advancing of His eternal kingdom, right? Heaven and earth are going to pass away. Right? It's, only, it's only the eternal kingdom of God that's going to last forever. So I want to make sure the investments I'm making are adding to that, right? Not just making my name plan. It's not just trying to build a big bank account for me. It's not about me having the biggest house for the fattest 401k. Right? That, that it's about making the name of Jesus great, making sure as many people as possible come to know him. Amen. So I want to pray for you guys. Pray that uh, and you guys receive that challenge. And, and I feel like God has some specific you may want to do in each and every one of your hearts uh, here tonight. But Father God, you know, we, just, we just come before you. Uh, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you first and foremost for what you did for us in Jesus. We didn't deserve that. I didn't deserve that. You weren't obligated to save me, God. Thank you so much for doing for me what I can never do for myself. Jesus, thank you for taking my place on the cross. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Jesus, thank you for that gift of forgiveness and grace and mercy. Thank you for adopting me into the family of God. And thank you that when this life on earth is over, it's an eternity in heaven in your presence, God. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. If you're here tonight and you've never prayed to put your trust in Jesus that way, you've never asked God to forgive you of your sins, but you want to do that tonight, would you throw a hand up this one up to pray with you? And he might have to put my trust in Jesus tonight. He would just kind of pray along with me in your heart and say, uh, God, I realize I need you. Uh, I've sinned against you, God. And I ask for your forgiveness. Put my trust completely in Jesus and what he did on the cross to make me right with you. Receive your grace and receive your mercy. God asks you to make me brand new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to live for you from this day. Jesus. God, I believe you have an uh, amazing plan and purpose for each and every one of these students. And God, specific things you've called them to do. But God, I know each and every one of us has a command in our lives to make disciples and to be a disciple. Um, God, for the students here tonight don't have anyone investing in their lives in that way. Now we just pray that you would put someone in their life uh, and build that kind of relationship, someone that would invest in their spiritual health, invest in their soul, invest in their relationship with God. Um, maybe it's Jackie, maybe it's me, maybe it's one of the upperclassmen student leaders here that can just come alongside them, share life with them, pray with them, encourage them. Um, God, each and every one of us in that relationship with God and trust you to supply. And God, I pray that you, for each and every believer here tonight, that you would use them to share their faith and make disciples. Um, God, for some of them, that's a super scary thing to think about, God. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would just fill them with your love and displace all that fear um, and show them, God, who you would have to show their faith with uh, in the coming week, God. Maybe it's a classmate, maybe it's a roommate, maybe it's a friend who's far from God. But um, they turn that conversation to spiritual things and ask them how the relationship with God is going. They share the hope they found in Jesus. Uh, and we just trust you, God, for many people to come to know you uh, this semester. God, for you to break the bondage off of people's lives that um, got our bondage to all kinds of different things on the skin that you just so far from you. God, I pray that you loosen those chains to bind people, God, that you proclaim freedom and liberty on the snakes. We'd see lives transformed for the glory of God. God, I pray for each and every one of these students to have the opportunity to lead someone to Christ and teach someone to follow Jesus. Um, we love the Lord and trust you with these things. We're starting that new semester, God. I pray for your blessing, your faith, on every student's lives, help them in the classes their professors, their projects, and assignments they have coming uh, in the weeks to come. We love you with us with all these things. We'll keep us and bless pizza. Amen. Again, thank you guys so much. Um, we'll be back here the same uh, place next week, Thursday at 7, right back here in the UC Theater.